I'm in. Uh, I'm inside Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium for the final taping of Coach's Corner. Can you believe it? It's the final Coach's Corner of the 2023 season. So I'm hanging out here at OU to get the scoop. Josh, where are you today? Hanging out, Cavens Group. Where if you need things checked out for water fire mold uh, emergency response they they can take care of that for you we always say just plug in the phone number for cavens group into your phone that way you're covered right in case uh, an emergency strikes but uh it should be it should be a nice morning i can't believe that so big 12 championship if it happens That's there'd right. be no coach's corner and bowl game is there a coach's corner so here here's the deal or at least what i've experienced historically is we'll do a special show but it won't be a coach's corner. The assistants, and I don't, I don't know if the term. I'd have to ask uh, uh, Kelly or I don't know somebody either with SSP or Woody over at OU. But I, I think it's just contracted as a regular season show, is what I think. Kind of like um, I, I don't know if Sooner Sports Talk with Coach Venables is the same way or not. I but can, I can answer this question for you, Plank. Go ahead. You're my boss. Uh, no, 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 but I, I do help with the schedule quite a bit. And I have been told that, yes, you are correct. There is no scheduled coaches corner, even ah. for next week, even if OU makes the big 12 title game, but there would be soon sports talk. There would be. The oh, title. okay. So, okay. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, I haven't heard if there's a press conference. I assume that there would be, but, um, yeah. Those okay, are, cool. Those cool. 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 That I know for sure. So there would be a press conference next week, but. I just want to make this very clear today on this Hyant very radio program, Josh Helmer. We are not going to get into scenarios. I can't do it. Um, even <laughs> even the clarification of the clarification that the Big 12 sent out was even more confusing to me than I'm going through. I'm like, this should be much simpler. Can we use different wording? You know what was really easy for me is the picture that someone put together that was like, if this happens, here's the logos of the two teams that play. And I heard Drake and Toby talking about it. And Drake, uh, this was like at 8 a.m., maybe before the top of the hour at 8 o'clock. And it brings up a scenario. I was like, yeah, that would make sense. And Toby's like, yeah, no, that's not how it would be. So I, I, I don't know. H- how about this? Let's see Oklahoma play better on Saturday or Friday against TCU, right? Let's see them play better against the Horned Frogs. Let's see them dominate, get a dub, and then let's find out what happens on Saturday. We know that if Texas Tech happens to clip Texas, then that's a good thing for Oklahoma. Uh, whereas if, if Texas would have lost to Iowa State and, and, and somehow lost to Texas Tech, that would have been bad for Oklahoma. I, I, or if they would have – I don't know. In, in, in one previous iteration of the tie-breaking scenarios, it would have been bad for them to lose to Texas Tech, but now it's good. But yeah, I, I don't know about you. I can't get caught up in that world because it's I'm, I'm very much a simpleton. It's very confusing to me. And I literally need things when it comes to these types of scenarios laid out for me on a dry erase board with logos like I'm five years old. Can we make an agreement on this show for that? We, we can. We, we can. And, and I can dry erase board, I think, for you here. Is this correct? Win over TCU plus Oklahoma State loss. Win over TCU plus Texas loss plus Kansas State loss. I mean, isn't that the scenario? You're rooting for BYU. You're rooting for BYU. And I don't know how to put this to y'all, but that BYU team that we saw on Saturday is not even near that good on the road. Nor are they that good, period. But they are not that good on the road. That's also a team that, what, went to 
Fayetteville and beat Arkansas. <laughs> but yet they are terrible on the road. So I, I don't know about you. I've kind of let that possibility go, even after what I saw on Saturday, which I guess you and I will spend the next three hours trying to figure out, or at least two and a half hours, because, um, I'm like I said, I'm glad Drake knows his schedule because I was as floored as as anyone whenever I saw the Brent Fittables press conference was today. <laughs> I, got, I got that email last night. It was like, oh, but see, that's Jake's on top of it. I is not. But I just, from my experience, I covered a team a majority of my early career uh, closely in Tulsa, my alma mater. And Steve Cragthorpe was the first person who ever said to me, every day is game, or every, every game day is Saturday. And we planned the week as Saturday. And we would move around as, I think DT can attest to this too, uh, Don Tomkowski, their media relations guy. Boy, I'm name dropping like crazy today, Josh. They, uh, like if the game was on a third, I think we played a couple Thursday night games and his press conference, which would typically be like on a Monday when they played on Thursday, we, we do like the press conference on Sunday. Uh, and then, you know, it's just, it was, they wanted to treat every game day like it was Saturday and they didn't want to upset their routine. And I know that was 20 years ago now, but in that same vein, a lot of people have followed that mantra. So I was even thinking that. We might be taping Coach's Corner on a Sunday. Uh, but thankfully, everything kind of fits into what is arguably one of the busiest Mondays we've had in a long time. But I don't think any of you all care about our schedules. Let's get to Saturday and trying to figure out what – is it fair to say what went wrong, Josh? Because you and I sat here on Friday and – well, I sat in the parking lot of the cell phone lot at the Will Rogers Airport, and we talked a lot about, hey, this should just be a dominating performance on Saturday, right? And it wasn't, and it wasn't anything close to that. And I, you know, I, I already, I listened to Teddy's pod with Gabe already because I wanted to hear what Ted had to say, and I obviously listened to Ted on the post-game show because I wanted to hear what Teddy had to say, and I think he was just as confused as many of us were as to how this team that had been so good against the run suddenly, and BYU being one of the worst rushing teams in the Big 12, suddenly couldn't, what, what's the old saying, couldn't stop a nosebleed? It, it, was, it was wild, man. It was wild. What was it like watching? What was your big takeaway? Well, I, I think a lot of what you touched on right there, which was not what we expected, not, uh, not as good as maybe we hoped for. It was, hey, what went wrong? And yet, what in a timely fashion went right? for Oklahoma, right? I mean, the the Billy Bowman pick six is a legendary play, historic play for OU Stutzman in a game where we we find out it's the flu game, right? Right. Our man was not feeling good at all. He makes, again, uh, arguably right there alongside Billy Bowman the, the, the biggest play in the game to set you up in adverse circumstances where you got a backup quarterback that is pressed into a close game situation set you up with the the short field to go win the game so yeah it it did not play out according to the projection from yours truly yourself or others but hey they they went and we said this if you go win on the road and just win these final three games right it, it basically boiled down to two things for me plank the final three games would tell us okay is this is this actually a great oklahoma team that 
played poorly in Lawrence and in Stillwater, or is this a good to pretty good Oklahoma team that uh, can finish with double-figure wins? And I think we got our answer that it's the latter on Saturday, and they're not a great away-from-home team, save for one Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. But, hey, we'll take the win and move on. Can, can I – we have a lot of – through throughout this program, and I think many of you that have are diehards and members of the, the Plank Platoon of the Ref Army, you, you, you get this. Josh and I have a lot of, if you want to call them bullet points, uh, if you're a Google Chrome person, I guess Edge does this now too but tabs that we have open that we're saving for June and July, right? That we're say heck, maybe that we're saving for, you know, January too. But I, I'm having a hard time because I feel like roster turnover is the only thing that's been consistent in college sports anymore with the portal and, and knowing how many people that are playmakers or at least players on this team are not going to be here next year. Drake Stoops, Dylan Gabriel, Rondell Bothroy, Trace Ford, you know Billy Bo- Billy Bowman might have been the best player on the field Saturday. Josh, he and Danny Stutzman have a decision to make about their NFL future. You know, so does um, yeah, I mean Walter Rouse is not going to be here. We'll see about Tyler Guyton. Like there is a lot of this team, Team One Twenty Nine. That's not going to be here in 2024, right? When they make the jump to the to the SEC. But I mean, I'm trying to figure out: is this good for the future of this program? I mean, because winning's good, right? It winning is is what matters most. And finding a way to win games when you're not playing your best—that's, I mean, that's that's the thing that great teams do. But the inability to be as good away from home as you are at home, that's a really big concern and red flag for me. And it's not it's it's not like one or, or two instances, right? Outside of the trip to Tulsa, they didn't play all that well against Cincinnati, right? Offensively. I'm going to forget one in here, so help me out when I do. Lost to Kansas, lost to Oklahoma State. And then on Saturday, against a team that did that thing, Josh, that I was talking about, they did that thing that I told you, a team that – UCLA did it too. A team that stinks, that loses a game, or gets routed, and has no business playing for anything, and all of a sudden right. comes out and plays out of their mind. Right? It's like, where did this come from? Suddenly and obviously a good portion of the problem is Oklahoma's doing, <laughs> but Retzloff – Looked like a, a a quarterback that's starting to come of age, dude. A little bit in this game, they ran the football effectively, so there was no predicting that that no. offense was going to do that. Outside of OU defensively, kind of wasn't great at times. It's it's amazing, it's absolutely amazing. So, I guess to finally bring the point around here. Sorry, I'm I'm stamming around the point. I'm filibustering, but it really is. Is this one of those that you say? I worry about this beyond just the increased competition, or is it these guys that are going to be the foundation for this program? The Gavin Sawchucks, the Jackson Arnolds, the Jane Gibsons and Nick Andersons, the Jacob Sextons, right? The Kip Lewises, the players that need to be elite whenever this team goes into the SEC, they're learning what it takes. They're seeing what needs to happen. So, 
these mistakes won't be made in the future or whatever went wrong leading up to this. Or I, I, Again, that's where I'm kind of struggling because if OU plays on the road like this next year, I mean, we're not sniffing 10-2, and two, Josh. They're not sniffing um, – they're not sniffing a conversation about the 12-team playoff. You know, we're sitting here talking about, oh, gosh, this is going to be a tougher adjustment than any of us ever imagined. They've got to get better on the road. And that's always been like a calling card for this program, right? It's, Mike Houck has the best game notes in the game. And I do want to apologize, Josh, because I did not give proper credit last week whenever we were uh, our final segment when I went through all the nuggets and the notes that I had. Because I saw Mike, and he gave me a little grief. He's like, I see you read the game notes. The best game notes in the business. And all you have to do as a fan is go to Soonersports.com, and you can read them too. But there's even a note in there about how good this team is on the road. And they've you know, they've, they finished, what would it be now, 2-2 two and two on the road this year? Is that right? Am I leaving out a road game in there somewhere? No, 2-2 two and two in true road games. And then the Cotton Bowl right. is, is a neutral side, but you could, you know, chalk it up as an away from Norman game, obviously. But, yeah, 2-2 two, two and two on the road. I mean – I don't know. And, you know, Teddy brought up a really good point, and this is why I try not to listen to his podcast before I do this show because I love Ted's takes so much that I end up parroting them way too much, but he's one of the smartest dudes I've ever been around in my life. But it wasn't, it wasn't one thing. It was a lot of things, and there's one consistent theme in those three relatively poor performances, and that was, you know, Danny Stutzman, injured against Kansas, out against Oklahoma State, and then battling, you know, food poisoning against BYU this weekend. So, again, you lose your best player on defense or he's not 100%. Your best players have to be your best players in big games. We didn't think this would be a big game. Oklahoma made enough plays to get it done. But is there any concern going forward about how this team had struggled on the road this year? Well, and I got to correct uh, each of us real quick. Technically, they're three and two on the road, right? The the Tulsa game. Oh, I'm almost... sorry. I'm sorry. So, two. Yeah, thank you very much. Good, good point. The uh, Tulsa game almost feels like it was a, a home game away from home. Just you know, obviously, given the way OU fans traveled to that one. But no, they they've got some problems uh, away from Norman. They they have not been this year a great road team. They. Uh, they had their struggles, of course, in year one under Venables. So there's questions to be answered there. I'm not going to totally exist in the world of it's all bad, right, for Oklahoma when they, they win the game at BYU. I know that BYU had a, a number of problems coming in and really hadn't looked good in a month, hadn't done much of anything positive in a month. So so that's frustrating that that happened uh, against Oklahoma. But we, we do have to take some of this with a little bit of a grain of salt in the sense that Look, you had your first losing season in a quarter century a year ago, and now they've won nine games. So is it where I want it to be for Oklahoma or where anybody wants it to be for Oklahoma? No. Do they need to get better on the road? I think absolutely. Is it fair to have concerns about next year when you start talking about trips to Auburn, who, again, uh, you know, feel how you want to feel about how imposing that is. But Jordan-Hare Stadium typically is a a tough road trip, right, at Mm -hmm. LSU, at Missouri, at Old Miss. I mean, these are tough road games. They've got to get better away from home. I don't know how you fix that until yeah. next season when you get out back out on the road. Yeah, and, and uh, is Connor in it? By the way, uh, Connor, I want to get your takes on this too from the weekend that it was, or, or, or Drake, who's ever there. And I know we're ridiculously over time now. But 
I found the note. I found the note from Hawks Game Notes. Oklahoma has now won 33 of its last 42 true road games with seven of those nine losses, one-score outcomes. Kansas State beat them in 2019. Remember, that was a 22-game true road winning streak, which was the second longest streak in the country and since at least the end of World War II. During the 22-game winning streak, they had averaged beating their teams 49-28 to on the road, and the Sooners had outgained their opponents now in 32 of their last 42 true road games. But this year is just, it's, I don't know, it's just been a little bit of a, uh, what did Gary Delabate say about the iPad? It was a bit of a stumble. Yeah, it's it's been a bit of a stumble. That's it's been a bit certainly of a stumble fair. this year. All right, hey, quick break. We're just getting started. It's the Plank Show on a Monday. Connor's in with us. Josh is at Cavens. I'm at OU. We'll tell you more about everything going on at Cavens Emergency Response Group. And obviously, we've got tons to get to from Saturday, including some bright spots. Some bright spots next right here on The Ref. Dude, you guys are on fire on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line this morning. You love to see it. All right. Josh is at Cavens. I'm at OU. Oh, Dude, one other thing. I just it's an all OU show, right? But I I did have to tell you one quick story from the road, Josh. Okay. You'll get a kick out of this. So I went to the Jazz game on Friday night. It was really cool. Uh, I hadn't seen Kevin Durant in person since he left Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Breaking news. He is still very good at basketball. <laughs> Indeed. Dude, this is the funniest thing that's ever happened to me though. So I get back and when I stay in a hotel. Uh, I'm kind of like Toby. I have a little thing. I walk in the hotel room. I have a little conversation with him. I'm like, okay, all right. All right. This this will work. I like this. this I I can work with this. But when I'm at a hotel on the road, um, the bed, there's always a desk and there's always something, you know, that you can, but the bed becomes like Grand Central Station, right? The outfit for the next day is laid out on it. Um, the, The MacBook is out. The phone is out. I'll probably have a speaker out. You know, I'm, I'm very extra. So when I got back after the game on Friday night, I texted the people I needed to text, you know, wife, like, hey, I'm back, all good. So I, I lay down and I fall asleep. It's like 11 p.m. Mountain Time. At 11.30, my phone starts ringing. And I see it's Sarah. It's my wife. So I go to fight or flight. It's like she's calling me. It's 12.30 in Norman. What's going on? And, and the phone is like, I reach over, I grab my phone, I go, hello, what's up? Hello. Sarah, you okay? I mean, I'm literally like in fight or flight. And she goes, you keep calling me. I'm like, what? She goes, you keep calling me. I can hear the TV on in the background, and I can hear you (laughs) snoring. And you just called Emma's phone, too. What, What are you doing? I'm like, I have no idea. Josh, I guess, I guess whenever I was asleep, my phone was on my chest, or I fell asleep with it on my chest, and I was just calling people at midnight. Oh man! Like with my so I here's here I called Sarah, I called my daughter, and I called my mom. Didn't just call my mom, Josh. Facetimed my mom at twelve thirty. <laughs> my seventy year old mother, who then panics and facetimes me back, and I'm like I, I'm like and, and I and at that point I was like what why is she facetiming me? And then it was like, oh. So Why is it so dark on this FaceTime call? Right. I can't see it, anything. And, and I'm, I'm a TV on, 
TV kind of loud guy on the road, okay? So you knew, you knew right away, <laughs> you knew right away that it wasn't like me drunk dialing anyone or anything from like my 20s. It was literally old man with phone in hand snoring just randomly, I guess, my finger is hitting all my recent calls. So do do you not do you not have it set up to where the phone locks? I, I don't know. You know what? I think I had started listening to something. I so I don't know. It it, it was I, I still haven't figured out how it happened. <laughs> That's the thing. I still had but there were and it's funny because when the call when the when my wife called and she said you're calling people, you need to see who you're calling. What are you doing right now? <laughs> She's like, I know you're asleep because I can hear you snoring. <laughs> how embarrassing did i call you by chance on saturday or friday no, I, okay. unfortunately i didn't get a phone call my, my feelings are a little hurt that uh, <laughs> i didn't get one of these snoring phone calls oh i'm sorry all right positives josh elmer positives positives give me a positive from saturday they made plays when they had to make plays especially defensively in a game where they were gashed on the ground, and they gave up some key third downs uh, at inopportune times. They found the two biggest defensive plays in the game with uh, Danny Stutzman ripping the football out and obviously the uh, the pick six. So that was positive. Jackson Arnold standing in and delivering in that spot the, the throw that he made and Farouk fighting for the first down. There were some positives, right, to find their way to the winner's circle, and it felt like – the kind of game plank where, I mean, look, your starting quarterback goes down. You're in a dogfight on the road. You didn't expect. Well, I, I shouldn't say. Brent Venables in Oklahoma would probably tell you, no, we, we thought, uh, we hoped it wouldn't play out this way, but we fully anticipated that BYU would come with their best in this game. Whatever, right? Oklahoma fans didn't feel that way going in. <laughs> Did not expect it to play out that way, and yet pushed against that in an unfortunate situation where you lost your quarterback. It felt like you were going to need some sort of defensive spark, and you came away yeah. with a couple of them. I think, I think my I've got a laundry list of positives because I do think it's going to be a day of hand wringing concern. I, I'm really glad that we get the Brent Venables press conference today, so we can maybe start getting a, a few answers. I, I thought he was his opening statement last night, or excuse me, post game was nine minutes long, so you could tell. And I'm I'm going to say this. I was about as happy as I've seen Brent Venables after a game. And you know that deep down inside, he was he was simmering and he was angry because of the missed run fits. But I think – and I don't know if it was just, hey, they won on the road and it's hard to win a college. Bob Stoops taught me that a lot, man. I've always told the story my very, my very first time where I was like, dang it, coach is mad at me, was after the Kansas game in 2011 whenever – we would do our interview live, and I said, Coach, well, I guess any win is a good win. And he goes, why wouldn't it be? You know? And I'm just like. <laughs> a, speaking of fight or flight moments. I did. I was like, I'm so fired right now. Coach hates me. But it's it's really, it, it's, again, in a moment where you lose your, if you lose your starting quarterback, and, again, I, so many comparisons to 22, right? And it's And it's probably unfair. But we saw what happened when Dylan Gabriel went down last year. It wasn't good. And in the moment when they needed something, despite the struggles, the defense made the two 
biggest plays of the game. Can I give you one more stat that might blow your mind? Sure. Um, this was a this was a stats Kelly exclusive, and I'm making sure to give Dennis Stats Kelly all the credit on this one. For some reason, for some Doctor Captain Clazel, what's up, Doc Clazel? What are you doing? You making sure we're good? All right, good. There's a star, Josh. It just came by. Look at that, Doctor Clazel in the house. Um, in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, Oklahoma held BYU to 18 yards. Think about that. Second half in general, outside of the scoring drive, they were really, really good. But, yeah, the fourth quarter, they were exceptional. I I told – who was I talking to yesterday about that? Oh, I was talking to Joel Manning about it. I'm like, Joel, Oklahoma held BYU to 18 yards in the fourth quarter. And he looked at me and goes, no way. I'm like, yeah, way. <laughs> right? Could it could be true. <laughs> it didn't seem like it. Because they were uh, in, in BYU in the third quarter. Where's all my stats at? They had a significant, yeah, 10.09 to 4.51 in the third quarter. So not only was it a defense that was on the field for a majority of the third quarter with a backup quarterback in, but then in the fourth quarter, they played their best football of the game. So – there's something to be said for that, right? And and I think in a time whenever I am a constant and eternal optimist, that is something for me where I'm like, okay, Josh Helmer, let's go. That's also you know, great sign for this week and the remainder of these last couple of games here. But that, again, if – don't don't panic, Sean, but – Half-time adjustments, right? From a head coach that is defensive-minded, they come out and they go defensively, punt, punt. Uh, Now, pick six, dicey on that drive, gave up the touchdown, fumble, punt. So the tweaks that they made to only give up seven after half and to come away with the number of stops and the turnovers that they did, yeah, absolutely, Uh, they made adjustments, and that – might be the largest positive takeaway here outside of Jackson Arnold. Yeah. All right. Quick break. When we come back, we'll hit the uh, early best of the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Josh is at Cavens Group. I'm hanging out here at Oklahoma. It's a short week, but we got a lot to get to on the Plank Show. Back with you. It is the Plank Show hanging out today at Cavens Group. Give Gary and the team a call, 405-573-3048 here in central Oklahoma for any of your disaster response needs or you just want the house tested for mold. You don't want to you don't want to mess around with that. Mold testing, mold removal, Cavens Group, they've got you covered there. But uh, a bunch of other services that they offer, water extraction, structural drying. Again, uh, emergency strikes, Cavens Group, that's, uh, that's the group you need, 405 405- 573-3048 is the number to call. Plank's hanging out at OU. We go to the text line. That's the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Oklahoma, of course, beats uh, BYU this past week at 31-24. Out of the 918, two biggest reasons we're losing on the road this year, turnovers and porous run defense. Ask Texas versus OU. By the way, it's a first-time texter. 
Welcome to the show, 918. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's right. And the wild thing is OU was plus three in turnovers Saturday. Is that right? That was an area where they were actually really, really good on Saturday. But in this instance, it was the struggles with the uh, with the run defense. That was – all right, where do you want to go next, Josh? Yeah, that's, that's one thing about this team that unfortunately has gotten worse as, as the year has gone along mm-hmm. and at times has not traveled for Oklahoma. They, they were way up there to start this season, were they not? I, and I know yeah. non-conference is not necessarily the greatest representation, but – just looking at it now, Oklahoma's number 57 nationally yeah. in run defense, so not great. And I don't have their Big 12 numbers in front of what? me, but I'm sure they're middle of the road there, uh, well, too, in conference text, games. I'll look it up right now while you get the next text. Jason out of the 405, and <laughs> what do you think about this? The sloppy field is an equalizer. Both lines should have dominated, but they didn't because of field conditions. What's the What's the saying? Both teams had to deal with it, but it was – Greg Rubel said something, I think, to Toby about it. It's um, – they they left either the tarp oh, – oh, here's what happened. They got a frost, and they got the tarp on the field late. And when they did, it had some of that ice underneath it, and it led – when we got there, Josh, on Saturday morning for the Windy Chevy pregame show, I I, I looked at both Toby and Ted. I'm like, I, can they play on this field? From a distance, it looked terrible. You got down on it, and it looked better, but it was it was slick. It um, it just it wasn't. Jason put it the best. It was an equalizer. It it really. It really, truly was. Now, that's not, again, that's not an excuse, and I hate it because it sounds like an excuse. It's just a statement of fact. And they worked all week long. I, Chase Chase Brown, Big Wit, did an awesome job in making sure that they had all the options available to them, the screw-ins, the molds, whatever they wanted. And they even had, you know, I, I saw this on the sideline. We didn't talk about it. You know, they have the, those boxes that open from the middle, and usually there's like a ton of, of coats or jackets or something that was in there. Josh, the, the box that opened from the middle, every single different shoe you can imagine. So if you went out there and you didn't like what you had or you didn't feel good about it, they had it ready to where you could have changed in a heartbeat. So, Jason, you're right. That field was, was trash. And for his – as top of the line as everything was, I mean everything was for that um, for that league, or excuse me, for that team, it was in that university. It was quite disturbing. I'm going to rephrase that: disappointing, not disturbing. It is disturbing. Bad turf fields, bad grass fields are just disappointing. Uh, we got one more. You want to hit here? We do. I just okay. like to say it was an absolute travesty that those players had to go play on that field this past weekend. Both and it, uh, Yeah, bo- both teams. And help me if I'm misremembering here, but I think we came out clean in regards to the field itself, 
with injuries, it seemed like, which was probably a minor miracle with how bad that field was this uh, this past weekend. So, yeah, that was I, – hey, I, I don't know. That was unbelievable how bad it was. Believe it or not, it might have actually been a help for the Dylan Gabriel hit <laughs> because it was there, – there was it was such uh, – it was so grown out. Again, mistakes have been made at BYU, and I'm hoping that they write them because that was – that makes you – that makes you realize. <laughs> Jason Ferris just texted me and said, hey, please make sure that everyone knows I wasn't the Jason that texted in. That's the OU. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we should so, clarify that. He, he wasn't. But it does. It, it makes you really appreciate the hard work of our turf management crew. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they plan they're in constant conversations with dr clazel about weather and what they need to do it's just it's it's a well-oiled machine and obviously mistakes were made in provo all right i got conference only stats why don't we hit one more text and we'll get to them out of the 972 at the first of the year i would have been tickled to know we'd be nine and two and have a win over texas be realistic last year we could have lost eight people will find out it's hard to come back from tebow usc will take years Can I, I think if you're being – this is a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do moment, okay? I'm just – I'm going to throw it out there, Josh. Do as I say, not as I do. I'm an out-of-my-mind Raiders fan. I am so happy right now. Even And they lost yesterday, Josh. They lost. But they played well. But they played well. I'm just they played sad. hard. And they played hard. Oh, I'm so happy. Now, we're going to get our – head kicked in on next Sunday, but I don't care. I want him to play hard. Anyway, point being, do as I say, not as I do, because I lose my mind and I'm like, well, they they got to five and five. They should be a playoff team and this and that, right? I, I get over my skis. But is part of maybe a way to feel better about things, knowing where we could have been as opposed to where we are, you know what I'm getting at? You think that we'd be in a situation right now similar to what's going on in L.A. if this change hadn't happened? I go. Well, I, I mean, again, that's assuming a lot, Josh. Sure. But still, I think that for a lot of people is one of those Alonzo morning gifts. The the great gift where he's sitting on the on the bench and he's kind of got his head down. And he's nodding a little bit and he's disappointed. But then all of a sudden it's like. Oh, okay. I mean, all right, all right. <laughs> it uh, there wouldn't be as much excitement, I don't think, for the future. Even if, even if you're of the belief that this has been disappointing in some ways because of the Kansas Oklahoma State sure. game, I, I said going in that to me, I wanted to see Oklahoma dominate BYU because that would tell me, okay, this is a really good Oklahoma team that just lost a couple of road games, and, and that hasn't really happened, and yet. There's excitement for the future because of what you've done on the recruiting trail. There's young defensive players to be excited about. This is a defense that, okay, run defense as we've gone along has kind of started to go the opposite direction, but collectively, as compared to last season, they're clearly better in a number of key areas. Inside the five, this might be the best defense. Somebody tweeted this this week, and I think it was David League. This might be the best defense in America inside the five-yard line. I don't know how they're that good in that situation but they're great there so there's been clear signs of defensive growth that 
if you had the previous staff, chances are you'd have a lot of the other bad with plenty of that defensive bad, too, and who knows where this team would be at. In conference play, Josh, in conference play, Oklahoma in its eight games have allowed 170 yards per game. That is good for seventh in the conference. Smack dab in the middle. Right in the middle. Um, and, oof, you know, I, was trying, I thought I might have this quickly in front of me. Rushing defense nationally, 57th at 145.1. So in conference games, they've allowed 170. On the season, they are at 145 point zip. Yeah, so, I mean, they're way above that in conference play. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me see here. And after the non-conference season, let's see, I, I, I went back to the Cincinnati game notes. After the non-conference season, I want to say they were like a a top five defense. Yeah, They were great. Um, 13th nationally one year. Oh, what am I doing? I can sit here and do my <laughs> – I'm going back on the game. They were, um, let's see, rushing yards per game. Rushing, They were 15th in the country. Oh, my goodness. In rushing yards per game heading into conference season. So, again, SMU, Oklahoma, our, our SMU, Tulsa, Arkansas State. But it just shows you how as that season has progressed, that's been an area where it seems like it's been a, a bit of a struggle. All mm-hmm. right, uh, we got more of your text to wrap up our number one when we come back. Connor Pasby is in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio. Josh Helmer is out at Cavens Emergency Response Group. I'm here at OU Today on a busy Victory Monday on the Plank Show. A couple of other quick texts before we get out. Hour one, Cavens Emergency Response Group. That's where Josh Helmer is. I'm here at OU. By the way, shouts out to my man, Mike Howard. Josh, how jealous of of Mike and and his son Cole are you right now? They're driving to Kansas City for the Chiefs-Eagles game to celebrate his sixth year. I am very jealous. That, uh, well, hopefully it's a Chiefs win, but should be either way a great game and a Super Bowl rematch. A little weather game tonight, too. Might have a little rain. I like it. Mike, love you, buddy. Happy birthday, man. Enjoy it. Um, you want to, Let me hit a couple of these real quick. Every, I, I don't reply or respond to a lot of the texts. Just because if I start, I won't stop. But I thought from the 918, I thought this is an excellent point. An excellent point. He writes, funny when you think about it afterwards, OU never trailed. But it felt like we were close but behind all game. BYU was 3-for-3 on fourth down. That was huge. The defense was both great and horrible in the same game. Yes. Yeah. If if those fourth down plays go differently, then probably Oklahoma's going to win this thing by two, three scores. But they didn't, right? BYU had to gamble in this game, and uh, they were rewarded for having done so. I just, you know, I was, I don't remember if there was an injury I was monitoring but I wasn't even watching whenever Bowman had the, the pick six. They, they didn't have a lot of room on the BYU sidelines. Tell me if this makes sense. They didn't have a lot of room, but they did. If they wouldn't have had that stupid camera rolling back and forth, it would have been a great sideline. But they had that high-angle camera 
and so they were rolling back and forth. But as soon as they got down to the goal line, either someone might have come out of the game or I wanted to go over and see what was going on at the uh, with, with the running backs. And as soon as I stopped, I like Toby said, pick off! And it literally <laughs> shook me, and I turned around. <laughs> I, he was off and running. And he was off and running. It was great. It was great. Then all I heard was Stats and Andrew yelling. It was amazing. <laughs> it was great. It's a win at an awesome point. It felt like you were behind and then ever trailed in the game. All right, your reaction. I've got so much to get to, including our five takeaways coming up in about an hour from now. Brent Venable's press conference at 1130 right here on the left.